welcome to the Rock Music Alliance interview sessions. I am your host, Cole Coleman. On the show today, you know his guitar playing from sessions he's done with many artists, as well as being the touring guitar player with David Lee Roth. When we come back, I'll be speaking with Brian Young. Attention guitar players, join the Thimble Slide revolution and free your slide finger. With its patented shape, you can slide and fret while wearing the Thimble Slide. Visit thimbleslide.com. That's thimbleslide.com. We're back with guitarist Brian Young. Brian, you're out in Austin right now. Uh, what's the current goings on out there, and what are you doing with your uh, latest projects? Well, it's been very slow because of COVID, obviously, but uh, we're slowly getting some more gigs here and there, doing just cover stuff out here right now. And um, we, we have a few things going on in Dallas, Houston, uh, Corpus Christi, and, and Austin. So it's slowly opening back up. In the meantime, I've done some recording session online with people who sent me stuff from different places, you know, just to help out some friends and things on their albums or recordings. That's, that's good to hear things are starting to open up again. I mean, here I'm in Los Angeles here and we're still locked down. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that it, some of my friends have played zero gigs or only maybe a couple of live streams since March. Yeah. Yeah. So we've actually had a, like we played three shows last week, we played Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This week we have Friday and Saturday, or we are going to play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So we have three shows this week too. So slowly picking up. That's fantastic to hear, man. That's, that's good. Um, I understand you're from Stockton. Is that right? I was born in Stockton, California, but um, lived there till I was six years old. Then we moved to Ventura County, Camarillo, California, which is uh, by Thousand Oaks, you know, between LA and Ventura. Yeah, it's a very nice, very nice area. So you're born there, but you're really raised in like the Camarillo area. Yeah, I lived there from 1971 till I graduated high school in 82 and then moved to Hollywood in 83. Cool. Is there is there much of a of a local musician scene out that way? Like, did you grow up with any players? Um, I had friends that played music, but uh, it was it's a really small town vibe. Uh, there wasn't any music scene. There was maybe one bar that had like cover bands playing. Of course, I was a kid, little kid, so I, we could go out and look in the back door and peek through and watch a band play. But we, you know, we were too young. Awesome. There was also, I was a, a little younger. There was a, a group of people about four or five years older than me. There was like a kind of a scene. These are the guys that when I was like 15 that I looked up to the guitar players that were, you know, there was like a guy named Bob Marshallack and uh, who's this other guy, uh, Vince. Uh, I can't remember some of these guys' names. But so me and my little friend, my bass player buddy, we'd go, you know, watch them play at their backyard parties and stuff and you know to the us they were the big professionals you know oh so, man I, yeah that, I, that was it just backyard that scene in camera was basically cover bands playing at backyard parties pretty much wasn't that just like golden moments of, of youth you know when Absolutely, you're man. The, the first kager parties oh my god you know like when you're first picking up the guitar and and you're in awe of it still you know and you and you're seeing other players you know four or five years older than you you know the, the juniors and seniors in high school rocking out at the local party it's just a it's a really magical moment in time for any, any musician oh yeah and then when a couple of the older guys you know uh started calling me to jam i was like oh you know i'd be all nervous but uh it was just real cool and fun to be able to hang with the, the big boys you know <laughs> absolutely man absolutely in la though in 83 i went to git with with my friend bob marshlack who i became friends with one of those guys and uh 
you know, then it was, you know, full-time guitar, practicing, meeting tons of musicians and having, you know, that was really a fun time. Hollywood, 83, 84, that was yeah. a fun time period, you know? Yeah, yeah. Did you also uh, come from a musical family? Yeah, uh, my dad played classical guitar, my mom played piano, and uh, when I was growing up, it was, I mean, from the time I was a baby, it was like the Beatles, Elvis Presley, Little Richard, uh, uh, just rock and roll, and my mom playing, uh, you know, she played the organ in the church, and she gave, I think she gave piano lessons, I know she played all the time, and my dad was listening to Segovia, Chet Atkins, you know, so there was piles and piles of good music going on from the time I was a infant, you know, till I started playing music yeah. myself. Yeah, you had uh, a you know musical talent in you, but also your ear was getting trained all that time. And uh, so, with your dad playing classical guitar, did you did you learn any of that even before you were rocking? You no, know, one time, a couple of years before I officially started playing guitar, he showed me one little thing, a little classical piece. I can't even remember what it was. For all I know, it might have been on one string, um, but it was then. Then it was because I was must have been around ten or so. Because then, around 1976, when I was 12, I saw Kiss on TV, and that's when I wanted to play guitar. So right. uh, I, I played trumpet in the school band uh, for a couple of years before that, right, fourth and fifth grade. But around sixth or seventh grade is when I, like, I loved music and listened to it all the time. But it wasn't until I saw Ace Freely in that smoking guitar that I was like, oh man, I want to play the guitar. And then <laughs> and it took me six months of begging before I, I talked my dad into getting me a guitar. Yeah, there's there's just something incredible about seeing, you know, those kind of musicians, especially, I mean, the, the showmanship involved in, in, in that band, of course. Uh, yeah, that, that's an inspiration to, to, to get going. Yeah, I, I was hugely into horror movies and Twilight Zone and all that stuff. So Kiss was like the band for me, you know. There you go. Exactly. That, that's that's like the musical. In, well, uh, they're like Dra- Count Dracula with a guitar. <laughs> you know? Awesome. That's awesome. That, that's cool. So uh, whether like as for for guitar playing. Uh, what would you say your main influences growing up, you know, were? You mentioned Chet Atkins, but was he like a real influence on you or was more of the guys in Kiss? When I first started playing, um, you know, I couldn't play anything. So uh, I, I started off just, you know, learning how to read a couple of notes and playing the little stuff out of books. Um, let me think the first, you know, obviously I, I learned Stairway to Heaven. That was probably one of my first things that I learned. I, I, Jimmy Page. At the, so around the time I started playing guitar, I was definitely into, you know, I was still into Kiss, but I was getting into Zeppelin and Ted Nugent and Hendrix. So those were like the guitar players I was listening to in my first two years of playing guitar. So, um, so they all influenced me somewhat, but uh, I wasn't really good enough to play their, their lick. So I couldn't really, you know, as you get older and get better, then you start learning other guys' licks and then it starts influencing you. So by the time I was getting influenced, there was already, a, you know, Eddie Van Halen was out and different guys. And so I can't, it's hard to remember what I was actually trying to learn back then. It's just been so, you know, which year was that? years ago. Huh? Which year was that? 1970. I started playing guitar in 77. So, so 77, you 78, you 79. Huh? You want to see Frank Marino playing? Um, not too much. I really never discovered him, you know, uh, at, at that age. I, I had heard about him, but... Maybe the band, the music didn't catch me or something. So I, I, I mean, but I heard it. It wasn't the band. That didn't catch you. <laughs> so I missed out. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. like, because when I got into something, it would be like I'd be focused on, for like in those days, it'd be like Zeppelin was it for the whole year, you know? And then, uh-huh. then you know, the, song, yeah. the songs have to do a lot with it, right? Oh, yeah. 
that's what I mean. It's like, I loved, you know, song made the same, all the songs, the, the, the rain song and, and uh, no quarter and just the cool yeah. riffy stuff, you know? So, but yeah. Uh, and then of course, also see all this stuff happened so fast back then, but you know, like I, I got into yes. And that became like, wow. Like the, the, the album, yes songs, that, that triple live album. That was like one of my favorite records probably in like ninth or 10th grade. Yeah, I was just going to mention, uh, you know, listening to Led Zeppelin chorus, that's a pretty well-rounded guitar influence right there. You know, there's electric, there's acoustic, there's different styles going on. And and I was just going to mention Yes, because at that same time period, you also got Yes going on. And I mean, Steve Howe is bringing into the equation so much guitar playing. You know, he also was a Chet Atkins guy. Yeah, and, and uh, I couldn't learn anything different from him, too. It's like, I've never, to me, Yes was one of those bands that I loved. But like I could never, first of all, you couldn't really just play their songs on guitar because it was so orchestrated. You needed to have a keyboard player and a bass player play all these counterpoints. Right. So the guitar parts by itself it was just, and then they were pretty difficult parts too. So I never really spent any time learning them because uh, they didn't sound good without, I didn't have a bunch of guys to play them with. Like at, at yeah, least with the Zeppelin yeah. riff, you can play it on your guitar and it sounds like something even when you're alone. You know, with the Yes stuff, man, it was like just a little bit too advanced for me, I think. I hear you. So you mentioned, um, you know, you went to Musicians Institute and, and you, you graduated. Would you say that that has been helpful in getting into the music industry as like a session player or touring player? Or is that something you could have done on your own? I it, I would say it's in the end, it was kind of zero as far as what it didn't get me anywhere. Music as far as music business wise, there's you know, just another guy walking around on Hollywood Boulevard. Mm. But, um, and even the playing, I was, I was playing all the time and I was learning all this stuff and I was learning, like I was, even though I loved Alan Holdsworth, once again, I couldn't play like that, but it influenced my style. Like I was trying to play this advanced progressive kind of stuff in heavy metal, you know, that, would, that was Holdsworth doing that legato and all those cool scales. And, um, so going to GIT, I kind of learned it was more like theory for me. It was like more like the knowledge and then hanging out with other players. I got to jam those people. So um, I, like if I didn't go to GIT, it might've taken me a little longer to get the same amount of skill because at the, when I was going, there was just five to eight hours a day of guitar. But as far as I might've, I didn't really, yeah, was like, the only thing I learned there was be on time. I mean, I still remember uh, in the very that's, first, that's, that's, that's an important one. Be on time. <laughs> the first day they have, everyone's in this big room. And the guys in front of the, the, I don't remember, but one of the instructors says, well, you know, one of the things you all need to know about being a professional musician is always remember to be on time because if you're, if you keep, if you keep being late to gigs, you might find yourself, oh, let me say, no, this is so great. He goes, uh, he goes, yeah, you might find yourself unemployed or worse yet, holding a day job. <laughs> and I remember going, oh, I don't want that. Well, you're a teacher. Huh? Oh, my, 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 my private instructor was Scott Henderson. Ah, Scott's amazing. Yeah, he was great. And um, but then you know I had all the different. Uh, who was, it's hard to remember these guys' names now. Um, I remember Kimbo. Kimbo Smith was the blues guy. Um, Steve Travato was the country guy. They had different classes for all these different styles. Oh, and this one guy that was really great, uh, single string technique guy. Uh, and I'll, his name will pop in my head at some point. In Sweden? <laughs> no, he had bl- black hair and a must- black mustache, kind of long hair. Wow, this is 1983 GIT. They have a lot of people from Sweden teaching there now. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it, yeah. it was 
basically mostly seemed like LA guys at the time when I was there. Yeah. You know, they were all, and they were playing around town. You know, a lot of those guys, the teachers, I'd go see them play sometime at clubs. So from, from Musicians Institute, from that point, um, later I heard that you um, started playing with Jeff Scott Soto, the great singer Jeff Scott Soto. How did, uh, walk us through that, like from MI to Jeff Scott Soto, how did that hookup happen? Uh, after MI, I moved back to Ventura and was doing a top 40 gig, playing five sets a night, you know, five 45 minute sets a night, five nights a week. And that uh, was my job. And I did that. This was 1985. And, um, and I loved Ingve and I had heard the album with Jeff Soto on it. And, uh, one day my phone rings and it was Jeff Scott Soto calling me. He had got my number from Ingve's girlfriend. And, uh, next thing you know, I was putting together a band with Jeff. That's amazing as well. It's, it's kind of a random, you know, sort of a random. It was like my favorite singer, you know, so that was like all of a sudden it's like my favorite singer is this. Hello, it's Brian Young there. And I said, this is me. And he goes, hi, this is Jeff Scott Soto. I'm like, whoa. You know, and then we put a band together and we started playing around L.A. and stuff. And, and then he ended up coming into my top 40 band to also because he, he, he was in between gigs for a little while there. And we, were, did, we did what we needed to do to make some money. You know? Was it original band or was it all covers? With Jeff, it was original band. The, the top 40 band was covers. We basically finance yeah. our original band with our top 40 band. Yeah, so, so what, what kind of music with Jeff Scott Soto? Like just like metal or rock or progressive? or Melodic metal. You know, it's like not quite as heavy and fast as the Yngwie stuff, but it was in that vein, you know, that kind of, you know, Dio type music, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Where'd you guys uh, perform at? Uh, we played the Roxy, the Country Club, uh, you know, just L.A. clubs and stuff. And uh, and then what happened was we only were playing for maybe six months and then and then Yngwie fired his singer mark bulls and called jeff to go back out with him so that kind of mm. dissolved our band so jeff went back to Ingve for a while uh, so yeah i really enjoy jeff's uh, vocals you know yeah he's amazing yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh tell us about psychotic symphony that was my fu to the music industry <laughs> we'll be right back with brian young's fu to the industry but first, check out these important words from the Rock Music Alliance and the RMA Awards for Rock, Metal, and Prague. It's time that rock music has its own awards, the RMA Awards, its own scholarships, charity events, and more. And only you can make it happen by joining the Rock Music Alliance and voting in the RMA Awards. You can join as either a musician, an industry professional, or if you just love rock music, you can join as a patron of rock. Everyone can join, and everyone gets to vote. Join the Rock Music Alliance. Go to rockmusicalliance.com. That's rockmusicalliance.com. Hey, it's Brian Young here, and I just want you to join the Rock Music Alliance. I was in a band called Bo Nasty, which was a hair band, and we were signed to CBS, and I wasn't happy in that band at all. It was just really following the trends and listening to the record executives, and it was really not, it just wasn't like, it was not, to me, it wasn't, I'm not saying you have to be rebellious to be a rock and roll, but it was just a lot of like letting business people tell us what to do you know, it didn't feel like a band. So, uh, I, and then I go see my brother play in this band in Ventura and they were, had all these crazy people in costumes running around doing all this wild vaudeville show. And it was super fun. 
And I remember thinking, man, my brother's band is so fun and so bitching and my band's so boring. And, I, and I, I'm thinking, so I quit. I got off the CBS thing and joined my brother's band. And then that turned into, and that was, they weren't wearing costumes then. They had other people. It'd be like 10 people on stage, the band, and then all these people dressed up doing this, like a show. And I said, we need to be the, the show ourselves. So that's how the costumes came into it. You know, and then when we'd be playing around LA, um, we, I was hearing about this band called Green Jelly, which turned into Green Jello. They were, no, they were Green Jello originally. Then they had to change their name because of the brand Jello. And, uh, and people are saying there's another band doing that kind of stuff. So it just was a fun. It was super fun, and it was like even our. I remember the the, the when we sent the, our demo to record companies to try to get a record deal. My I, I pretty much put a handwritten letter in there that said, congratulations, you were one of the few labels we've selected to give the opportunity to sign us. You know, it was, wow. <laughs> yeah. it was like, basic, and uh, it was like, I was so done with that whole, I wasn't kissing any record companies, but, and then, and then the, a guy from MCA actually got involved with us and became our manager. And we got, ended up getting a deal on red light records. If you heard of them, there's, I guess they're Chicago based label. But by the time we got signed, we were, the band had fizzed apart pretty much. So we got a record deal about six months after we were done. So we, we, we were kind of did the album, but it never ended up getting released. Uh, that's too bad. Now, now what kind of music was psychotic symphony then? Uh, we used to just kind of call it uh, punk funk speed death polka. Wow. <laughs> You can actually, it's on iTunes. Oh, good. I, think, uh-huh. I think one of the guys in the band put it on iTunes. I don't know. I don't get any money from it, but it's called, it's about it's Psychotic Symphony Eargasm is the name of the album. And you buy it on iTunes and it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Half the record is done on my eight track home demo stuff. And then the other half was 24 track in a studio. But um, it's, a, it's a cool, it's a cool record. Hey, have you heard it, Claudio? The psychotic guy? No, <laughs> no I, I didn't hear that one. No. I'll send you some, some links. There's a lot of videos on, on YouTube also. Miss, just type I in. Brian, when he was playing with the Atomic Punks. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 That was a few years later. You mentioned your brother's uh, band. So is he a guitar player as well? Or? He's a bass player. Bass player. Well, you guys should have put a band together. <laughs> well, we did. That was, that was our band. We, we did a few things together. My other have another brother that's a drummer. And what's funny is, you know, we're just, you know, when you're young, a, one year younger than you is like a long time. It's he's a kid, you know. So I was yeah. with, and then we all, we were at different levels of musicianship when we were living at the, my dad's house, you know. So by the time, you know, I, I was the first one to be in bands and playing around town and doing stuff. And then my other brother was like four or five years. The drummer was like four years younger than me. So I was, in, you know, I graduated before he went into high school. So right. by the time he was in high school, I was already living in Hollywood. So yeah. that's kind of so. Yeah, but then again, he did end up at Psychotic Symphony for a little while. So there was a point in Psychotic Symphony where one of my brothers was on the bass and the other brother was on drums. Pretty cool. Yeah. Now, were they doing original music or was that uh, covers? It was all original, yeah. All originals. Okay. Sounds like it was quite a show. It was it was all show. I mean, it was like it, the music. It's funny. You can listen to the album and it's you can almost see the theatricalness of the of the album just because of the way it's recorded and stuff we did on the album. But then when you see the show, you could just turn the sound off and watch a show and you get a whole show without even having to have sound on. Mm-hmm. As far as because we, we didn't just wear costumes, but we did choreography and had scenes. I mean. I would play my guitar with this rubber hand and then the singer would chop it off with an axe and then my other hand would pop out and keep playing, you know, and then uh, there was 
Gypsy, all this guy. Like the end, the show ended. The singer killed the whole band because <laughs> that's the only way we'd stop playing. He had to shoot us all. <laughs> so it was it was like a it was it was a show. It had a it had a full journey, you know, through this thing. It's pretty cool. I wondered if uh, Rob Zombie ever ever checked that out. I I know that Corn did because um, Ray Luzier plays with Corn now, and when I went to see them in two thousand, I don't know eight or nine. I, I met the guys and Ray said they, they used to go see you in Psychotic Symphony and they were when they were all we were all talking about it they were saying yeah we we used to see you play at FM Station when we were before they were even corn so I don't know if we how much we influenced them but uh, I know they saw us before they were before they were that's something that's something and you know the uh, you know the the internal recording mechanism is always running so I'm sure they had a little a little influence on them you know it did something there I'm I sure it's a sure. couple of bad dreams. Hey, Claudio, did, did you ever uh, check out the FM station? Were, were you here uh, for that? A couple of times, but I, I, never, I didn't live in L.A. at that time. I, I just come to play in L.A. in the 80s, and we played some shows at FM station, like in 1988, something like that. Yeah, they were still around until, because I played there, the last times I played there was in 1993. Mm-hmm. So That night I, I played there, everybody was there. Was Or no, no. Later than that, because I, I remember, no, I played there in the late '90s for sure. Uh, I, I for sure played there like '95 or '96. No, did I ever do the punks there? Yeah, I think FM Station might have gone almost to 2000. Seems like it's been gone forever, but yeah, when I, I know, played I know there was, was Zach Wild slash and all these guitar players right in front on front of the stage watching the show. All the you know they were oh, yeah, yeah. they were fun. Flash there, right? Like when you're going to see Ingve, it's all guitar players in the audience. Yeah. So, so Brian, you, you mentioned the punks. Uh, so, take us through um, how you got picked up by David Lee Roth. Uh, well, because I was playing in the Atomic Punks, Dave's. I played a show in Santa Monica, and Dave's manager was there, and uh, he saw me play. And uh, about six months later, they fired their guitar player, and he just remembered seeing me, so they found me somehow and uh, called me up, and I went and auditioned. Were you the original guitar player with the punks? The original guy was named Bart Walsh. He got stolen by Dave first. And then, and then he's the one who got fired by Dave that got, caused me to replace him. <laughs> so I first replaced him with the punks, then I replaced him with Dave. You went there with Ray, with Ray, right? Yeah, me, Ray Luzier, and James Lomenzo. Yeah, James Lomenzo. I, I, saw, I saw that, yeah. That was a fun lineup, man. It was they're just a great rhythm section for AJ. That was really good. I, I saw some videos. Really. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube of the 2002 tour. Those guys. Yeah. So it sounds like Atomic Punks are a natural stepping stone in, into the David Lee Roth band. Yeah, they're the, the what do they call it? The, the baseball teams. They farm you out or whatever they call that stuff. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like um, small league. Yeah. yeah. You almost got Ralph in the band too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ralph. Yeah, Ralph linked Dave. Hey, one time D- Dave met Ralph, and he actually called Ralph David Lee Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about uh, Atomic Punks, you know, leading into uh, Van Halen. So I wanted to mention. So with the recent passing of Eddie Van Halen, uh, how is that affecting you? You know, since you uh, since you played his guitar parts for so long with Dave. It doesn't affect me any differently because I played the stuff. It, it just affects me the same way it affects everybody else. You know, we were all fans of Eddie. Yeah. And it was like, everyone knew that there was rumors, you know, of him being sick. But when that happened, it's like, boom, it just hits you like out of nowhere. And um, 
I mean, he was just way too young to go, man. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's, when you think, when you think of them opening for Black Sabbath on their first tour, the who in the earth would think that Ozzy would outlive Eddie Van Halen? <laughs> Nothing against Ozzy, but I mean, you know, it's like to see some of the, the. It's just like, man, he was like, I just felt like he's just a little older than us, you know. And it's like, so it was way, way too young for that guy to go. Yeah. You also play Steve Vai parts, right? Yeah, I just, we did a few Steve Vai things. Not not a whole ton. We did like uh, Yankee Rose and Just Like Paradise. Like yeah. Going crazy. Yeah, that was some fun stuff. Totally different, you know, than Ed. Yeah. Are you still in contact with uh, with David? No. Um, I Last time they came to Austin, I went to the show and... Um, He's gone through a bunch of phone numbers since the last time I had his number, so I don't have his current number. And last, basically, I would usually would call his assistant if they had a show in town. I'd go see him, but I haven't seen him in, since the last time Van Halen came through, so I don't I don't even know how to contact him right now. Yeah, I was just wondering if there were any plans for some kind of like a celebration of Van Halen performances. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I know that Dave put together another band though last year because I got a call. But I was busy, and, and so he's got two guitar players now, and yeah. uh, did those last shows. So I, I kind of assumed that if Dave does anything, it's going to be with those guys. Because Dave's one thing about Dave is he's pretty loyal to people. Like if he, hmm. when he he pays his musicians well, and it's like as long as you don't mess up, you know, he you're you're, you're part of the team. You know, just be, be there, and show up on time, and do your job, and don't bug him. You know, so mm-hmm. I, so I don't see why any of those guys would. Not being there. The two guys that play now, they're, they're friends of mine. Um, one, I play with him at the, at the Whiskey, at the Ultimate Jam. He's from England. And he replaced somebody else that was in the band when they were playing Las Vegas in January. They, one of the guitar players got fired. Really? The, the, one of the guys? So did, before they played Vegas or, or after? No, they played in Vegas uh, in January and then after that. Like no, no later than that, maybe in February, he got replaced. This guy got. Yeah, there, I remember that one. There was a young kid, and then there was the Al Velasquez, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the older guy. The so young I, kid, yeah, the so yeah, yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah. Even when I got called uh, in twenty, what year was this? Twenty nineteen. I no, might have twenty eighteen. It was. It was like a, eight months before they did Vegas. Um, the guy had mentioned to me that uh, one, you know, these, there's a couple of younger guys, and you know, you might work better with Dave since you're older. And you know, that was kind of the talk at the time was the, that they thought I might fit in better because I knew Dave and I was a, more of his closer to his generation than he, they, he thought the young guys. Yeah, they, were, they all they all look young except for the the lead guitar player. Yeah, yeah, they did. The bass player looked really young too. Hey, hey Brian. Uh, working in the David Lee Roth band, is there a uh, is there a band director or is that uh, is that David? Um, it, when I joined, it was Ray Luzier pretty much because uh, he knew the whole show. I mean, James did too, obviously, and so he was kind of the musical director because he was the one teaching me how we the end of the songs and this one we go into this jam, you know, this is how we start and Dave's going to do this. So he, because uh, most of the rehearsing I did was Dave wasn't even there. So the first few months when I joined, it was like five days a week with just me, Brandon and James. Dave would pop in once a week, listen to a couple songs, give us a few tips, ask yeah. us what are we going to do there? Who's going to sing the harmony here? 
here and then maybe sing two or three songs. And the first time I did all the songs with Dave was on stage at the first show. I never played a whole show with him at a rehearsal. He never, he never did it. He doesn't rehearse, you know? That's amazing. So, so, and then when Ray left, I don't know if I was a music old director because see what happened was the second year he had a Toshi and then we, me, James and Ray put Toshi through the, all the whole deal. And then, uh, who left first? I can't remember. I think James left and we got Todd Jensen who had played with Dave in the past. So that was it. But he was new again. And then, then Ray left and we got Jimmy DeGrasso. So we had it down now that us guys, us new guys are teaching the new, new guys, you know, since James went to, he actually went to army of anyone then to court. So, um, given Dave's personality, um, you know, what's it, what's it really like to work in that band or any like crazy stories going on or is, is he pretty, pretty down to business? It's everything. That's <laughs> <It's, laughs> yeah, the highest, the highest, highest you'll ever have. Lows, lowest lows. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, there's yeah, definitely great fun. Uh, James, you know, sometimes just listening to music with them, he, he's just got such a collect. I mean, he's just got the most massive collection of music. He's always buying stuff. He probably buys new music every week. I mean, he'll go to the store at the record store and just dig through CDs and pull out you know, 10, 15 CDs, bring them home, go through them all, and then pick out the ones he likes and have them all burned on one CD kind of make his own greatest hits and, and he had hundreds and hundreds of cds he'd bring he'd bring on the road and, and he so he's all the way from super old blues to you know to funk and all, all kinds of stuff so um that's that's the fun, fun hang with dave and uh, then just he's also real knowledgeable about just all kinds of things you know we're traveling around he's been everywhere he's read tons of books so he's very interesting he, he can talk about many subjects that's terrific. At this point in his life, yeah, he, he truly is a, a rocker citizen of the world, you know, so that's cool. Hey, uh, getting back to session work, in today's digital world, is there gear you prefer to use for recording like Amplitube or Fractal Audio? I'm just using Logic Pro and um, I'm using some of the guitar amp stuff in there and once in a while I'll just mic up my app through their preamp thing. Um, I'm, I'm I never got fully into the digital age, you know, like I've, I've just, I'm, I can put down guitar tracks. Someone sends me the tracks, but I've actually I've done a couple of cool songs, but in the old days I had the drum machine and I had the ADATs and I had that thing dialed in and I could do amazing drum tracks. It sounded great. Then I play the bass and everything was on tracks and I could see that well, I could do my own mixes. And then when the computer thing came in, the drums became dots on the screen and I, I couldn't just tap out a drum beat anymore. And I had to, I couldn't, oh man, I've just been, so my writing has suffered because I'm not very good at using this new stuff. So what I do is just have people send me tracks and I just put guitar down. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it is, it, the way that things keep changing like that, it, it, it does stretch the, the ability and, and, and yeah, it can become very tiresome, you know, it's, uh, uh, as you get used to one particular process and then have to, uh, have to try to upgrade again and again. Yeah. And then, and then I'll buy know. some program and I'll run through all this stuff. And then at some point it doesn't work, you know, like yeah. everything's going in this and then yeah. this and then this, and then, okay. Then it says, do this button. Mine doesn't have that. It's a, Oh, you gotta, Oh, that's 10.3. You gotta have 10.5. Exactly. Like, ah. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, I don't mind the computer based recording, but it's like, I just want everything to work. You know, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to wrestle with the technology. Just, just have everything work. And you know. <laughs> well, by the time you figure it out, you, you lose your inspiration. 
Yeah. Also, my, yeah, I, I, I was also notorious for purchasing things right before the new one came out. Like I would, I would wait. Like, oh, maybe I should get that. Maybe I should get that. I don't know. And then finally, I get it. And then two weeks later, the new version comes out. Mine's obsolete. One, one thing you mentioned was, uh, which is really good, I think, uh, about today's uh, digital recording is that everybody, you know, can pretty well put together a, a good you know, home-based digital recording system. So just like you said, like you need drums, it's way easier now to contact a player and have him, you know, knock out stuff at his place and send you the, send you the tracks. Yeah. I just did a track last week with a guy in Argentina. He sent me the drum tracks and, uh, I, and oh, I just put down the guitar and I was like, and I loved it cause it was real drums, you know, and it sounded right. like Who's the guy. Pablo Sanchez. He's, he's uh, one of the guys that I did interview with out in Argentina. I play. I, I'm from Argentina, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Claudio's from Argentina, so perhaps he knows him. Do he play drums? Yeah, he's. he's um, yeah, Pablo Sanchez. He's a, he's a drummer. He has a, a, sh- a show that he has on like a arts and wine television or something like that. Mm. And um, he, he's doing a. I did an interview with him a few months ago, and then he just uh, asked me to do a Van Halen track. You know Joe Retta, right? He's going to be singing on it. We did oh. Dead or Alive. That's cool. So that should be. I've played with Joe and different bands before, yeah. So well, how, yeah, how often do you go back? Huh? How often do you go back and visit? Well, the last time I was there was 20 years ago. Wow. <laughs> Not too often, huh? No, the problem is that the last time I went there, I went for one month and I stayed like a year. Wow. Uh-huh. So, well, because yeah. I miss it. I miss uh-huh. there. But, you know, and. I can't afford to go there for, for a year now. And just if I go there, I want to stay for a long time. I don't want to just go for one week, you know. Stuff yeah, like yeah. It's a, it's a long flight too. Yes. So Brian, on recording, then uh, do you have uh, favorite guitarists to record with? Um, I just use whatever I think the song calls for. You know, um, most of the guitars I have are humbucker pickups. So that's I mean I have strats with single coils, but I that's not my my main tone that I like is the humbucker sound. So whether it's a Les Paul or, or my Charvel style strats or my Wayne strat, it's usually a, a, one of my humbucker guitars. Are they the, like the same guitars you record with? Is that what you like for live as well? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I just, some of the guitars that like, I have a few guitars I just bring out for fun. Like I have like an old Ibanez V, you know, and a, an Ibanez Destroyer, you know, things like that. So, so sometimes I just like to play the different guitars, you know, like, but I mainly play Les Pauls. Ah. Any songwriting with uh, with Dave? Pardon me? You do any songwriting with Dave that never come out? I wrote three or four songs that I gave to him to, and he never did them. So I, I just handed him some stuff back then and said, hey, here's some originals I wrote. This was like 2002 or three, and nothing ever came of it. So I don't, I don't, once I handed him that CD, I figured he'll, he'll talk. I, I'm not going to, ask him again. Any advice at all for, you know, guitar players just starting their careers, you know, coming out of MI for getting started into the business you know, session work or, or touring player work? I can just tell you what I did, which is basically play every single gig you get offered, play with everybody you can play with. I mean, I've done very low paying gigs that that got me to a really good gigs. So um, I, I, I never said no. If I was off that night, somebody had a gig, I didn't care if it paid five bucks. I would do it because so you never know where uh, a, guy, a phone call that got me to do this little low-paying session ended up getting me 100 session gigs. 
you know, from the producer. So um, it's because I know a lot of people that are like, they turn down stuff. Oh, that's their way to just jump right to the top. It's like I did every single gig on the way up. And I think that that's and also you're, you're just playing. You're you're getting out there. You're, you're getting challenged by different styles of music. Um, doing the top 40 gig, I wasn't excited about doing it. But when I did it, I ended up having to learn like 70 or 80 songs of different styles of music that I wasn't really into. And it really yeah. put my playing to become more well-rounded. I would have just been a one-trick pony if it wasn't for doing all that stuff. And at the time, I was thinking, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that. But it ended up being the best thing ever that I did for my playing. That's great. And hang out at the Rainbow. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, hang out the rainbow. <laughs> hey, I, I ran into Jimmy Bain in the rainbow and ended up in a band with Jimmy Bain and Carlos Cavazzo and uh, Vinny Apice, So, So there you go. You got to make time to hang at the Rainbow Bar and Grill in Hollywood. That's it today for my conversation with Brian Young. Thanks, Brian, for coming on the show and talking with us. You can keep in touch with Brian on Facebook for the latest on his sessions, projects, and tours. Visit thimbleslide.com for the guitar slide that frees your finger. It allows you to slide and fret while wearing it. And visit rockmusicalliance.com and join the Rock Music Alliance so you can vote in the RMA Awards. For the Rock Music Alliance, I'm Cole Coleman. Be well, stay well, and join the Rock Music Alliance. <laughs>